This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Do you know how to decide when you should start drawing Social Security? Whose Social Security uh, can you receive? We're pleased to have Sean Mercer, Social Security District Manager on Money Talks, to answer your questions. But get your calls in early for this popular topic. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can email money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good, good morning, morning, Kevin. Uh, any financial news in the news? Oh, well, I didn't have financial news because I was just really excited when I was driving into MPB. I passed by a firehouse, which always does decorations for the holidays, and they have their uh, they have their Halloween decorations. So they out. haven't jumped directly to Christmas. No, they <laughs> haven't, unlike uh, some financial uh, shows did last week. Um, so yes, they have they have uh, like a lawnmower running over like a stuffed man. It's it's wild. It's <laughs> love they, Halloween they really, decorations. They really get into it, and it's fantastic. I think that's the one on Lakeland Drive. If that's I'm correct. Saying. That's correct. That as well, yeah, they do a good job. Uh, Nancy, how about you? Um, well, I would just say um, we do post on our blog, nuper.blogspot.com. Is that right? That's correct. And my latest blog post, which we have linked with Money Talks, is about uh, the economics of going solar. It's something I've been interested in for a long time and chased that rabbit for a while. And, and something that we've helped folks do who yeah. wanted to do that. Um, uh, so you just have to look at all of the economics of that to decide. I finally ended up saying, hmm, our uh, cost per kilowatt here in Mississippi is cheap enough that it doesn't it's really make sense. Yeah. One reason a lot of folks go solar is, one, their cost per kilowatt is very high. That's right. Why if you're you in the Northeast, it. maybe. Yeah. The Northeast, that's why you see it um, in California. Also, if there's lots of subsidies for it, so there are a lot of countries which do kind of heavily subsidize that, makes it a really valuable. But also just think about, um, I mean, one, your personal values. You know, if if, if you, you think. Are you trying so- to make me feel bad? No. <laughs> you can you can have, you don't have to have these values. Um, but, you know, some get it for environmental reasons. But also folks who live in very rural areas uh, where their service might not be that great or just the potential for disruption is pretty high. Or people who live in areas uh, which might get dis- disrupted by natural disasters, particularly in, you know, we think about that in uh, developing countries. Um, you know, think about the hurricane in Puerto Rico. Uh, folks who may have had solar, especially in smaller towns, even in the city, they were without power for a long time. Um, so things like that. There's there's a lot of other considerations, but as Nancy pointed out, sometimes it just comes down to the dollars, and if they don't yep. make sense, yep. it doesn't make sense. My thought on alternative energy is this. Wind turbines, I'm a big fan. Are you? <laughs> you know what I I used to think, oh gosh, Mississippi would be perfect for wind turbine, turbines, right? We have lots of wind, and then someone said, no, you need steady, sustained wind, not these yeah. like 
tornadoes coming. Also, through. it's just it's it's just wow. We just don't we think we have a lot of wind, you know, when a storm comes and it's breezy and windy. But there's just so much more wind out in Texas and the the Midwest, where I mean, there's there's wind farms like crazy. And on a serious note, if uh, you're interested in alternative forms of energy, the uh, NPR did an interesting series on wind farms uh, on on Morning Edition, I think. So if you were interested in, in listening back to that, you could go to NPR.org. Uh, and they talked about Kansas apparently is big mm. on wind farms and the, some of the problems associated with the noise and that sort of thing. So it's it because was the Wizard of Oz. Because apparently they are huge. They are huge. Are I've, I've driven through uh, some of those wind farms, and it's pretty amazing to be out there. All right. Uh, Social Security Day is always busy on Money Talks. And, in fact, we already have two calls on the line. So why don't we say good morning to Sean Mercer, district manager from the Social Security Administration, who I think is joining us via Skype. Sean, thanks for being on the air with us today. Good morning to you all. Sean, I'm just so sad you're not here in the studio. I know. We'll, uh, we'll try this this time, and then next time I'll uh, greet you face-to-face, and we'll see which one's better. Well, maybe Liz could bring in the laptop, and we could at least see your face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Sean, as I mentioned, we got a couple of calls, so let's uh, go right to the phones. We'll begin with B, who has called in from Brandon. Good morning, B. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. I, I just wanted to ask a question. I, w- I will be 60 years old next year, and I've done the math. Uh, you know, I know what I would get if I wait till full retirement at 67 to se- take Social Security, and I see the, the big difference at 62. But I do mm-hmm. still plan to take my Social Security at 62. I just feel like that's a better option for me. But here's my question. Um, turning 60 next year, I, I wanted to completely... Um, uh, lo- lighten my load and do a lot of traveling and not work so much. Mm-hmm. So my income will likely be reduced from like um, eighty-five thousand around to about thirty thousand next year if I if my plan goes into effect. So I'm wondering if that two years between sixty and sixty-two, if I'm rolling in sixty uh, thirty thousand as opposed to eighty-five, will that affect my retirement at sixty-two? The amount I'll get. Okay, good question, B, and glad that you've taken the time to look and see what your benefits are going to be. And uh, However, with what you're planning there, you can use one of our online calculators at socialsecurity.gov and uh, check and plug in under your Social Security number the scenario that you just mentioned, and it will tell you what your difference would be. When we look at how we figure your benefits, we're using 35 years in your computation. So the you're getting is taking the last year's earnings that we have posted and running them through your age 62 and your, through your full retirement age. So if you're going to alter that, in this case, make less, yes, it is going to make a slight reduction in what we have estimated for you, but it's only two years out of the 35, so it's not going to be as drastic. But if you'll visit socialsecurity.gov, use one of our online calculators, you can go in, it'll ask you your social security number some other personal identifiable information where it can run some different scenarios under your Social Security earnings that have paid in, and it will give you a closer estimate to the question that you've just asked there, and you can see how that will affect your benefits. Okay, great. I'll 
I'll do just that. I never noticed that calculator. I go out on the website strictly to check my benefits mm-hmm. for you know, and so I never knew that I never paid any attention to a Cadillac. I mean, a calculator. Uh, but you said I can do that, and it'll tell me. It'll give me another roundabout figure as to what my benefits would be if I take it at sixty-two. Yes, ma'am. It should be able to give you instantaneous there on the screen of what it would be based on your different uh, scenarios. There. Hey, I'm going to make this amount or I'm going to work and not make any. So give that a try, and that should answer your question. Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for the call, B. It's uh, Social Security Day on Money Talks. We're visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager for Social Security Administration. If you have a uh, question that you need answered, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email a question as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Next on the line, we're going to talk to Kay from Jackson. Go ahead, Kay. You're on the air. Thank you. I have a question. I was married for over 10 years and then divorced, and I understand, and he has since deceased, I understand that there's a provision that I can draw, may can draw on his Social Security. Is there any um, income requirement on my end that I have to meet in order to draw? And there's several different things that we'll look at when you get ready to draw benefits. The first thing we're going to do is look at your own record and your own work history to see what you would be able to draw based on what you have worked and paid in. Then we're going to look at any marriages or divorces that you may have or have had, looked at the, at the length of those, then also look at your age, and then determine what's the highest benefit that we can pay based on your specific situation. So we are going to check that deceased ex-spouse to see if you may be able to draw higher benefits off of his record at the time you elect to start receiving benefits. So yes, it is something that we always check. Those are other entitlements out there that we always check, look at every marriage and every divorce to see because we're trying to pay you the highest benefit that we can based on your specific situation. All right, Kay, thank you for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Time to take our first break of the hour. We're going to be visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager from the Social Security Administration throughout the hour. So if you have a Social Security question for Sean, or if you have a personal finance question for Nancy and Ryder, you can give us a call today. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. How many people receive some type of benefit from the Social Security Administration. Do you think it's 21 million, 42 million, or 69 million? We'll have the answer for you after the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. 
Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. to Money Talks. If you ever miss part of the show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org to listen again. You can also download the MPB Public Media app. It's free for your smartphone, uh, and then you get to listen to all the shows on MPB Think Radio on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today, we're visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager from the Social Security Administration. Before the break, we asked the question, how many people receive some type of benefit from Social Security. Was it 21 million, 42 million, or 69 million? Nancy, your guess was? 69 million. And according to the monthly statistical snapshot, September 2019, released by Social Security, 68.785 million people received Social Security, supplemental security income, or both. That's getting to be, you know, almost a quarter of our total population. So you cannot stump Nancy. I'll say that. So that's why we have her well, on the show. Well, let's don't, let's don't put out that <laughs> too much now, you know? So uh, get, get on the phone lines, y'all, if you have a, if you have a question for Nancy. Uh, okay. Uh, we're visiting again with uh, Sean Mercer, District Manager from Social Security. Got a couple calls on the line, but, Sean, we also have this email from Bonnie that says, I'm 52. I've been employed since age 16 with summer jobs. I recently left employment after 21 years employed with a company. If I don't begin another job until the time I can receive Social Security, will I lose my time into Social Security? Okay, uh, good question there from Bonnie, and uh, I believe we said she was 52. So Mm -hmm. to answer her question right off, no, what she has worked and paid in for retirement will be there. So she's got uh, more than the proverbial 20 or 30 quarters worth of coverage. me about Bonnie is that what happens if she becomes disabled at age 58 and she has not worked any since 52. So once you stop working for disability purposes, not retirement, so let's mm-hmm. make sure our listeners distinguish between that. Her retirement is good, but her disability after 60 months, she may lose eligibility for that. So we're always concerned about someone who leaves the workforce. And the, another example would be a young mother who leaves the workforce to take care of small children. When you're not paying into Social Security, that grace period there is about 60 months, and you may lose your rights to your disability. So we always are wanting people to think about that, to have um, a plan in place if they were to become disabled because they would not have access to those funds. However, to answer answer Bonnie's question specifically with her retirement benefits, they're okay, but she does any earnings between age 52 and, say, age 62 or age 67, which traditionally, for most people, those are your highest years of earnings, and that may help your benefits go up some. So a lot of different scenarios to take place there, but the simple answer to her question is her retirement funds would be there. They would just be less because she had not worked those last 10 or 15 years in the workforce. Well, one thing I would say, because she said I won't be working for an employer, so it's possible she may be uh, starting her own business, having some self-employment income. And if you do that, you are still paying into Social Security, right, Sean? That is correct. What we want to make sure when we see that Schedule SC 
agency tax return is for our self-employed individuals out there is to make sure that you're only, or to make sure they understand, rather, that they're only receiving credit for their net profit. So you may have someone who has a high-income business, but after write-offs and everything, they have very low net profit. Well, you only pay FICA taxes on that net profit. So we always like people to understand that, and certainly our tax preparers and our CPAs in this day and time are far better than they were when we were 28 years ago when I first started. And we saw a lot of people that, boy, it was great around tax time. They didn't have to pay any federal income tax, but then it wasn't such a good conversation when you tried to talk with them concerning Social Security benefits because they had not paid in any under the FICA taxes, which is only payable for the net self-employment profit. And I heard that a lot from people who were in, uh, let's say, the real estate business or the oil and gas business, Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of depreciation or depletion. And so you're right. It was great during those years, but then suddenly you don't have a good earnings record. All right. uh, Let's head back to the phone lines. Next, we're going to hear from Paula, who's called in today. Good morning, Paula. You're on the air with us. Hey, good morning. I, I have a question. Okay. My husband my husband retired as a Biloxi fireman. He has the PERS, PERS retirement income. And I will have always worked and have Social Security. So, and I'm older than he is. If I pass first, we've been told he can't draw off my Social Security. Why is that? And... Is that accurate? Okay, Paula, uh, good question. And there are very few people left in Mississippi that come under the rules that your husband may come under, and that is that they were exempt from Social Security, the Social Security Act. And the only people that are really exempt under the Social Security Act would be a nonprofit or non-covered employer a pastor. And in Mississippi, we have some uh, non-covered employers left, which are some firefighters and then some non-profits. So there are some firefighters who are under the old system, which were really like the old government employees prior to the 80s that did not pay into Social Security. So when we look at his earnings record, he receives a non-covered pension outside of Social Security because he paid into that pension. So whenever, let's say that you were to pass away before him and you have your Social Security there and he got, he came to us to draw widow's benefits or widower's benefits, we would check to see what his non-covered pension was where he did not pay Social Security and there would be an offset applied to your Social Security. So that's the reason for, for that. We have very few in Mississippi. Now you get in other states such as Texas and Illinois where they Uh, state employees are exempt or non-covered. They kind of fall into the same category. But in Mississippi, we have, like I say, a few firefighters, some non-profits, and some pastors. The rest of us, we don't have a choice. We pay in based on our uh, wages or our net self-employment. So what you have, if he is under that whole system, which I assume he is because of what you're telling me, we would look, and he might be able to draw after the offset. We would have to look and see what it was at the time of your death, your Social Security, what he would draw based on his age, and then, of course, look at what his non-covered pension was before we could really answer that question for him. Good question. Thank you for calling. 
Okay, thank you. Thanks for the call, Paula. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, we're going to talk to Maria, who's called in today. Good morning. You're on the air with us, and it's your turn. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you very much. Um, my question, uh, my ex-husband and I, our, our divorce was finalized two days short of 10 years of marriage. So how would that affect us drawing on one another's uh, uh, social security? Unfortunately, Maria, it's 10 years or longer, and we do verify exact date of marriages and dates of final divorce, and we do have to look at 10 years or longer. So if it's not 10 years, and that could be short by a couple of days or a couple of months, it is 10 years or longer. So we will check that to make sure that our uh, our dates are correct. Whenever you do file for benefits, you will need to list that marriage on there. We will double check that. I just don't want to offer you any false hope because the law is really specific, and we do verify that to the actual date. But we will double check that for you. And, and there is an anecdote here that uh, I occasionally hear in finance circles when they're talking about that particular uh, benefit drawing on a divorced uh, spouse. Um, and it's that Johnny Carson, I believe, uh, had four marriages and three were over 10 years and one was n- like nine years and 10 months or something. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that Sean can comment directly on any individual's uh, Social Security benefits, but that's just kind of an illustration of the Three, three, three ex-wives did get full benefits from, from that, but one didn't get anything. And one question we always hear from people, and, and Sean, you can uh, verify this, is that uh, when an ex-spouse draws on that person's Social Security earnings, it doesn't reduce their earnings. That's correct. Independently entitled spouses. So I see people all the time that are worried what their ex-husband and his mm-hmm. or her new wife or new husband are going to do and how that would affect future benefits. And when you're talking about a divorced ex-spouse, it's independently entitled, so one does not affect the other. And, and they, uh, they don't even know, of, right? They don't even know that you're doing right, it. Right, right. We don't, right. We don't, we, we don't share that information of who that is or what. Uh, we are looking at that independently on each person. We do have to prove that marriage and the length of that marriage. So, uh, Ryder brings up an interesting point there. I don't know specifically about Johnny Carson's situation, <laughs> but I have seen uh, three women drawing off one husband's record. But it's kind of unique in that you, there are several hurdles to cross that our, hmm. our listeners need to understand. The marriage has to be 10 years or longer. The person cannot be currently remarried. And so there's a lot of people that have had a marriage that are 10 years or longer, but they may have since remarried and have a marriage in force that may not allow them to draw off a spouse's record. So when we start talking about widower's benefits or divorced spouse's benefits, there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts that go along with that that we have to make sure we cross our T's and there. So what your neighbor may be doing or has done mm-hmm. may not necessarily be the, be the same scenario that you have. So a lot of people seem to have some preconceived ideas when they come that they can or cannot draw off of a spouse's record because we look at everything independently and it does 
depend on your current marriage state, your age, the length of that marriage. So there's a lot to go through when we do that. And just to clarify a little bit, when you say they can't be currently remarried, does that include even if um, their new spouse, say, is much younger or their new spouse maybe doesn't even have Social Security benefits of their own? Is that still the case? Marriage, our question is, do you currently have a marriage in force? Wow. So, yes. We are visiting today on Money Talks with Sean Mercer, District Manager for the Social Security Administration. We always keep Sean very busy when he calls in to help us out with Social Security questions. And if you're listening this morning, the phone lines are busy, but when one caller drops off, that's a good time to try to get in there to get your call on the air. Let's see if we can't get at least one more call in before our next break. And we say good morning to Jonathan calling in from Texas this morning. Jonathan, it's your turn. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, it's actually Thomas. All right. Um, Sorry about that. My, Go ahead. It's okay. I'm on a cell phone, so it might clip a bit. Uh, but uh, my first question is, uh, I'm due to retire next year, July, and I want to continue working. I wonder how that affects my tax situation. That's the first question. The second question is about uh, Medicaid, Medicare Part B. Is that compulsory? I have to have that. I have no choice. Or can I have a private insurance to take the place of that? good questions and we're talking about retiring in 2020 and so if you're getting ready to turn age 62 we're going to talk with you to see what your current earnings if you're wanting to work the earnings limits for uh, 2020 will be $18,240 so if you're going to continue to work and make over that you would have to uh, have $1 for every two we would hold that was over the 18240 so certainly we could talk with you uh, in May June and see if we are able to pay you any benefits. So it's certainly worth your time to let us know what you want to do as far as your earnings past July, and let's discuss with you what we could do based on that scenario. So give your local office a call in uh, late May or early June, and we can line that up, because in, if you turn 62 in July, your first month of eligibility is not till August. You aren't going to receive that first check till September if you're eligible, so we've got plenty of time to do that. Your second question about Medicare at age 65, is it mandatory for the Part B? And the answer is no. If you are working and covered under a group employer health plan or your spouse is working and covered under the group employer health plan, you can forego that till the time that you all retire. Where people kind of get sideways with that is that they think that just because they have a group employer health plan, they can automatically fall into that category. The key is you can skip the age 65 if you or your spouse are still working and covered under that plan. Then when you all get ready to retire, let's say it's at age 68, then we would verify that you were working and covered under that group employer health plan from 65 to 68, and that kind of gives you a free pass to be able to pick up the Medicare Part B at the time of retirement for whatever the current premium is without any penalty. So the big important thing there is working and covered by the group employer health plan. Thanks for your questions, Thomas. 
right. Uh, Thomas, I'd also say if you go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org, just last week we did a full show on Medicare and had a lot of great information, and that is now archived. So, again, find more information about that at moneytalks.mpbonline.org. And I think that call illustrates something we don't often see. We don't too often see people continuing to work while receiving benefits. Um, but it's a good point to make that not only does uh, your your outs, you know your worked working earned earnings, um, however we're going to say that your earnings not only can reduce that benefit, it also does change your tax situation. In that, uh, the more you earn, then uh, the more of your Social Security benefit is taxable. It doesn't it doesn't change the rate of your taxes. It just changes how much is considered for tax purposes. But once you hit full retirement age, and for this gentleman it would be 66, that's mm-hmm. working our way up to right. 67, then you can earn as much as you want and not have a reduction in your Social Security benefits. Right. We need to take another break. We're visiting today on Money Talks with Sean Mercer, District Manager for the Social Security Administration. If you'd like to ask a question, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. How much does the Social Security Administration pay out in benefits each month? We'll have that for you after the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder also holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're visiting today on our Social Security-themed show with Sean Mercer, a district manager from the Social Security Administration. Before the break, we asked the total monthly benefits paid out by Social Security each month. Now, Nancy, you got the first question right. Do you want to take a stab at this are one? You gonna- Do you give me some options here. No, you got to double, you this gotta was, double this, down you on to, this one. It's just a dart on the dartboard. There. Oh wait, I got to do some math. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and it's and it's I, I, it's not going to work with taking my shoes so off either. I'm, I'm just going to say a um, hundred billion dollars. That's a little high. Okay. Good. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I guess. Um, seventy. Eighty-six point five zero seven million dollars, an average of thirteen hundred and fifty-six dollars and five cents per say, person. Did you say billion? Million. Uh, million. Million. Wait, they pay eighty-six million dollars a month. That's not. Oh, so, a month. So they're paying like a dollar per person. No, that's not right. Well, all right. The, that can't right. be right. It's got to be billion. Everybody needs to go check your Social Security <laughs> check. Make sure it has because some the, zeros the, in there. The average Social Security check is around. Thirteen hundred and fifty six dollars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Well, I'm just reading what's on my script on that one. <laughs> that doesn't add. That doesn't well, add up. Nancy, Nancy, I like that the number was exactly in between our two numbers. 
Hmm. That's interesting. All right, let's uh, get ourselves out of this mess by going back to the phone lines. Uh, Jerry's called in from Brandon. Jerry, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, sir. How are y'all doing today? I'm Good. doing well. What's your question? Uh, my question is, I'm uh, full retirement age now. I'm drawing my Social Security. Uh, my wife is on SSI, and I'm thinking about... Uh, if I should die before she does, will she collect my benefit plus her SSI, or will her uh, will her uh, SSI go away? And I'll okay. Great question, Jerry. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, and to uh, okay, yes, and she would. We would look at a widow's claim, and in fact, based on her age, we're going to look at any possible future benefits that she may be eligible to draw prior to her return uh, uh, when she turns full retirement age. So we're going to no. check a couple of times to see if she can draw off your record. But if you no, pass she's away, not she she's not eligible for, for Social Security. She's drawn SSI. Right, but that is a needs-based program. So when she turns full retirement age, we're automatically going to look to see what she would draw off your record to see if there's any benefits there, if you, okay. even if you're still alive. So we're okay. going to do that. Then also, if you were to pass away before then, we would automatically look at her for widows. And if the benefit that she would draw based on her age and eligibility is currently more than uh, $791, then she would only draw that and she would not draw any SSI. So we look at that. That is something we do daily to see if she could draw a higher benefit off of another record because she's not eligible for anything on her own. So we will check on that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, one thing we have Good to... question. Thank you for calling. We have to do, Kevin, when we're uh, working with couples who are facing retirement, is to consider if we lose one person, then we're going to have a loss of Social Security income, mm-hmm. one way or the other. And most people don't realize that, that um, that, that is, does change those income projections. You will keep the higher one, but the lower one will go away. All right. Uh, we're visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager from the Social Security Administration today, taking your Social Security phone calls, and we've been keeping Sean busy. And we press on and say good morning to Shirley in Flowood. Go ahead, Shirley. Hi. My question is, I'm thinking about remarrying, and right now I'm drawing my uh, deceased husband's Social Security benefits. So how will that affect my new marriage? Okay, boy, that's a good question, Shirley. And the first thing we need to ask is, how old are you? 65. Okay. So uh, marriage after age 60 does not affect benefits off of previous spouse's record unless the benefits that you would draw off of your new husband would be higher. So we would check on both. In usually not the case because you're probably drawing a higher percentage off of your deceased husband's record. And uh, so marriage after age 60 does not affect those benefits. So you're okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Shirley, for your call. Uh, Let's go next. We've got uh, Michelle on the line. Michelle, it's your turn. Go ahead, please. Good morning. How are you? Good. Um, My question is whether um, uh, it's also pertaining to the benefits, uh, widows, widowers' benefits. 
Um, and it's uh, whether or not remarrying and then either divorcing or becoming a widow a second time would preclude a person from drawing benefits from the initial spouse who was deceased. Good question, Michelle, and we need to look at this because if I understand your question and what you're trying to explain is no, it would not. You may have the option to draw off either or. So when we're looking at a person who has more than one marriage and may have been widowed twice, they may have the option of drawing off of the either record, whichever is higher. So again, something we need to look at to make sure that we're answering the question here on the radio with what you intended, but it is something that we check, and as long as you were not convicted in his death, then you may have the possibility of drawing off both records. Sean, so, I'm so shocked. You're, you're saying... Does that also hold true um, with a person who is uh, divorced from a second spouse? We would need to look at the marriage. As long as the marriage is not in force, we would need to check on that. And then we would also check to see how long that second marriage was in force. So really getting way off in the weeds on this one, we would need to look at it specifically, but I think you're going to be okay. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your call, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, so Sean, Sean, just to clarify, if you are convicted in your spouse's death, you cannot receive their Social Security benefits, and is that a blanket rule, or is that just in specific circumstances? Well, it's a blanket rule, but it falls under a convicted felon. We don't pay convicted felons, and so a lot of times you may see where a spousal situation ends in a death there, and someone files for benefits, and our hands are kind of tied because we're innocent until proven guilty. Hmm. So that money may be payable unless the person is convicted of that felony or that crime. There. This could so turn into a detective we get into the situation. Very interesting. We're visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager from the Social Security Administration today. It's been a busy day, but we do have an open phone line right now. If you have a question, and the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Next, we've got Mitzi on the air with us. Go ahead, Mitzi. Hey, this is Mitz Mitchell. How are you today? Good. I'm 60 years old. I'm disabled. Um, I draw approximately $1,000. Uh, $119 a month or 16 I was wondering if I opened my own business, like a personal loan business, would the government loan me like a small loan to open my own business and have people work for me and me actually not do the work and me just keep up with the payroll, that kind of thing, uh, like a small business, you know. Can I do that? Okay, good question, Mitzi. And when we're looking at someone working, first of all, you have a nine-month trial work period if you're drawing Social Security, so there are some incentives for you to be able to go back to work there. But we also look into the account, too, as to what you're making with that business. So where people get into trouble with us with work is not reporting and talking with us about the incentives that we have to go back to work. So if you think you're able to possibly take off in this venture, you need to contact Contact your local office. Make sure you understand the work incentives. And like I say, for nine months, you can do whatever.
whatever. And that's just an incentive to be able to get you back into the workforce. Then we start looking at those earnings, and with you being self-employed, as we spoke about earlier on the show, it would be the net self-employment. And then for you to stay in contact with your local office about what you're doing and the actual duties that you're performing and the type of money that you're making there, mm-hmm. and we would help walk through with that. And so there are a lot of incentives out there. Just the biggest part, I can't stress enough there, is the people that don't communicate with their local office initially to make sure that we're all on the same page and keeping up with those work incentives out there to be able to hopefully get you back into the workforce. Good question. Okay. My son now, he is uh, 22. He has scoliosis, and uh, his doctor had him off of work for months and months. Um, He put in to draw his disability, which was wrong. They should have told him SSI first. So he went in the computer and called disability, you know. Okay. Of course, they denied him. They told me he needed to draw a file for SSI. Uh, we've tried to get in the computer, and it, it's got him locked out, uh, so he can't get in, so we're going to have to go over there. Uh, he took on a child that is nine years old now, and he's had her for two years, and he's 22. He's a very good boy, and um, he's taking care of her and sending her to school, in which they are living with me, which is my grandbaby. Um, I've understood that she cannot draw, she could not draw any money off of him because he has no work. Uh, And that is correct. When we're talking about SSI, as we talked with the caller earlier, that is a needs-based program. It's not based on what you've worked and paid in. So, therefore, it's only for the number holder. So uh, he needs to follow through with his SSI claim, and you do not have to go to the local office. You can do all that over the telephone. So if you'll just call your local office. inquire about filing for an SSI claim, explain to them that you've been locked out. They may can help you reset your password and be able for him to file that uh, all that medical information online, and then we can just call and take the SSI claim over the phone. So call your local office and see if they can help you unlock your uh, internet access and then also if they can't do that we can do everything over the phone it doesn't require an in-office visit for him to be able to file for SSI Alright Mitzi thanks for your call let's take one final break this hour we've been visiting throughout the hour with Sean Mercer district manager from the Social Security Administration we've got some calls on the line to get to after this final break you're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio when we get back we'll remind you of the website for Social Security so stay tuned Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. 
to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with Sean Mercer, District Manager from the Social Security Administration. And has uh, Sean has reminded us several times when he's been on the air with us that uh, their website is a good resource to go to to get a lot of your questions answered. It's got some great information there. And as he mentioned earlier, some various calculators to help you figure out uh, retirement benefits. The website is SSA. Gov. Let's see if we can work for these final three questions. We begin again. William's on the line from Laurel. Go ahead, William. Yes, my question is, uh, I'm on disability. I'm 64 years old. I've been on disability about five years. And my uh, question is, once I reach retirement age, will I continue to draw the same amount of money I'm drawing on disability or my, or my benefits be cut back to what I would draw from regular retirement age? Okay, William, good question, and the answer is no. You will continue to draw what you are drawing now, so you will see no change in your benefit other than the cost of living increase that may uh, increase it a little bit each year. So your full retirement age, I believe, is 66, and so the night you turn 66, on our record, you will become a retired individual, not a disabled individual anymore, but it does not change your benefits in any way. Uh, the only thing it does on our records is it makes us not mail you those forms so that we have to continue your medical updates and do medical reviews on you. Because you are full retirement age, it doesn't matter. The money that you're drawing now is based on what you had worked and paid in up until you became disabled, and it is unreduced. So you're drawing the maximum benefit you can draw based on all the earnings that you worked and paid in up until the time you became disabled. So you will see no change in your benefits once you turn full retirement age. Thank you very much. And Sean, is that just kind of going back to the, I know you, you keep saying this work, that y'all are always looking for the highest benefit that somebody is eligible for. So if his, um, and I guess disability and his, I guess, retirement benefit, those are more closely related, but you're always going to be paying someone the highest benefit. So they're not going to find a situation where they suddenly jump to a lower benefit, except in maybe some marriage cases. Is that correct? Right. Not that I can think of. I can't think of a scenario there. Most of the time what you see is with a disabled person, even if you become disabled at 40, it's unreduced based on what you worked and paid in up until age 40. So those benefits are going to be paid at an unreduced rate, which is not like what you would draw if you were 62 when you take a 25% reduction per se because you're drawing retirement benefits at an earlier age. So I cannot think of a scenario where someone drops down to a lower benefit um, there. All right. Uh, uh, Herbert is next up online. Herbert, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, I have a question. Uh, I worked uh, with the city on the PERS retirement for 30 years. Uh, we didn't pay any Social Security in from that income. Uh, mm. I, 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 I also have a co-worker who worked about the same amount of time in the same situation. I, I worked various other jobs under Social Security for about 20 years. Uh, my co-worker worked various jobs paying Social Security for about 30 years. When I went and applied for my Social Security, I qualified for about $560. But because... 
I had another retirement system on the PERS. They cut my retirement for Social Security by over 50%. Uh, the co-worker that worked 30 years at various other jobs didn't get any reduction. Uh, my question is, why did I get penalized for working the other jobs? Okay, Herbert, good know? question. Yeah, and the only thing that I can think of is that you worked under a non-covered pension, and I can't answer the question as to why your coworker, if we processed his or her claim correctly, but anyone that has a non-covered pension, we should be offsetting that. It's not offset because of your PERS. It is offset because of that non-covered pension that you're drawing uh, that where you did not pay Social Security taxes on. So just like the caller we had earlier that was a firefighter from Gulfport, this would be the same type situation. We do have a few older employers, employees, oh, okay. state employees like that, not very many. But I oh, really can't address that uh, without looking at both of your records. So maybe we need to uh, check on your. If you worked over 30 years at another job paying Social Security, they do not penalize you. There is a clause in there, yes, sir, where we have to look at those earnings that were paid in. So, like I say, without looking at both of your records simultaneously together there I can't really answer that question but yes you are correct there is a clause in there based on the amount of those wages where we use a chart to look at those non-covered earnings so you are correct in that point but to really answer your question we would have to have both of you sitting down there to make sure that we were comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges there all right, uh, Herbert, thanks for the call. Sean, I have about a minute left, and I can't remember what it is, but you always encourage us to go ahead and set up um, a, a My Social Security account. Is that is that the proper name? And if you would, remind us how we would do that. That is correct. Visit our website at socialsecurity.gov, and we have a uh, right in the middle of the page there, a My Social Security account, where you can set that up. And that's not just for people receiving benefits. That's for any of us out there to be able to check our earnings statement. If you are receiving benefits, you can change direct deposit, uh, change your address, request a 1099, different things like that. But for our listeners out there who are not receiving benefits, it's just a way for you to get a one email reminder per year for you to go in and check your earnings statement. So I get that one email a year, go in, usually I've forgotten my password, have to reset <laughs> that, and I print out my security statement to make sure that my earnings are posted correctly there. So it's a good tool for all the listeners out there, not just the ones who are receiving disability or uh, Social Security benefits. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank, Thank you so you. much, uh, Sean. Always a good show when we have you on the air. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. So for Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, Ryder Taff, and our guest, Sean Mercer, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio.
support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 